We are on Yevamos, the bottom of Kuf Dalet Amar Aleph 104a, as we begin a new Mishnah in our discussion about the process of Chalitza. And this Mishnah now goes through the three different steps of the Chalitza process, and it discusses which one is absolutely necessary and which ones are not, are part of the process, but it's not necessary. Now when we talk about necessary versus not necessary, it's important to note, <coughs> excuse me, that According to many, chalitza is, number one, it's a mitzvah uh, that you should do. And number two is that uh, a result of chalitza is that she is now allowed to marry whomever she wants. Um, she's, uh, she's now free. It's like she's no longer uh, married or connected either to her previous husband or to the brother-in-law. She's no longer connected. There's no longer that zika connection. And she's allowed to marry whomever she wants. Uh, so... Uh, it lets her, it lets her uh, marry whomever she wants. And so what we're discussing in this Mishnah about what is necessary and what's not necessary, according to many, is not with regards to the mitzvah. For the mitzvah, we'll see that there are three different steps. All three have to be fulfilled in order to fulfill the mitzvah. But what we're discussing here is what's necessary in order to then allow her to marry whomever she wants. And it might not be all three. We'll see that it, it's definitely not all three. Um, maybe just one. And so we'll see which, that there's a d- difference here between how you fulfill the mitzvah and how, at what point in time is she now allowed to uh, get married to anybody, to, to anyone else. Um, so just to go over the different steps of chalitza. So what takes place first is that she comes to court and she says, my brother-in-law, uh, this is just a quick summary, she has to say this really in Hebrew, my brother-in-law doesn't want to uh, do yibam. He responds, he has to respond. This is all what's referred to as the Kriya, the back and forth, uh, saying that this is true. Then she has to take off his shoe, as we've been discussing. He has to take off his shoe from his foot. And we discussed the, what the shoe represents in the very beginning, in the introduction. Uh, different explanations of what the shoe is, whether it's a sign of mourning, uh, but to remove the shoe or... The shoe is a reflection of the fact that this, the soul of the first husband will no longer uh, be in, uh, exist in this world. Um, and afterwards, then she spits in front of him. That's the, that's the last of the steps. Uh, but then she also has to make a statement afterwards. She makes the concluding statement. So essentially, when it comes to what's referred to as the Kriya, what is said, it's stated. She makes two statements. He says one. And then there's the removal of the shoe, and then her spitting. Those are the, those are the three steps. So the question of the Mishnah is, which one is necessary in order for to allow her to get married uh, to anybody else? So the Mishnah says as follows: If all that is missing, everybody agrees that the actual statements of the wife and the brother-in-law, it is not required. You should do it; it's ideal, but it's not required in terms of Allowing her to get married. What about other cases? Everybody also agrees that if she did not remove the shoe, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You have to. You must remove the shoe in order for her to to allow her to get uh, married. But what's uh, a matter of dispute is what happens if you didn't do the spitting. If she didn't do the spitting. What happens if they did everything except for her spitting in front of him? So that's a dispute. Rabbi Lazar Omer says that that doesn't work. You need to do the spitting. And essentially, according to Rabbi Lazar, 
you would you would have to actually do both. You would have to do the spitting and uh, the removal of the shoe in order to allow her to uh, get married to somebody else. Rabbi Kiva Omer Chalitza No, all that's necessary according to Rabbi Kiva is just the removal of the shoe. Why? Amalei Rabbi Lazar. What's the logic? Because the verse, it has to do with how you read the verse. The verse says, Kachayase. It says, Kachayase. Kol davar shumaisa ma'akev. It says, Kacha, you have to do it like this. And yase means you have to do an action. The words that they say is not referred to as an action. That's speech. That's not an action. Any action that takes place is now kacha, is now, is now required. It's saying, this is how you should do it. It's required. Um, and as such, according to Abelazar, any action is required, and therefore, uh, the removal of the shoe and the spitting, those are both actions, those are required in order to allow her to get married. Amar le Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva says back, no. Misham raya, kacha yase le'ish, kodavar shumaisa be'ish. He says, what kind of proof is that? It says, kacha yase le'ish. This is what you should do, specifically to the men. Any action which is uh, connected to the man, to the brother-in-law, that's what's necessary. Anything else is, is not necessary. It's, it's ideal, but it's not necessary. And so therefore, the removing of the shoe from his foot is connected to him. That's, he actually, um, according to some of the commentators, he should also be involved. It's not just her removing of the, of the shoe, but he should position himself, uh, make it easier to, uh, for her to remove the shoe from his foot. And then, uh, that's all that's necessary. The spitting, that's something which she does alone, nothing to do with him. And so therefore, it is not necessary, according to Rabbi Kiva. Okay, that is all the first half of this Mishnah. The second half of the Mishnah says, as follows, um, or the change of v'hacholetes lekatan, chalitzas apsula ketana shechalza, the next case is basically saying we have a category of minors, of uh, children under the age of 12 or 13, and also uh, somebody who is uh, a deaf mute. We say whether it's the brother-in-law who is a deaf mute, or whether it is the sister-in-law, or whether um, the brother-in-law is a minor, whether the sister-in-law is a minor, if they do the chalitza, the chalitza does not work. It doesn't work. Uh, for the if the sister in law is a minor, we say that she should do the chalitza again when she gets older. So the chalitza itself does not work. Why doesn't it work? Uh, so that will be discussed in the Gemara. That is a big discussion in the Gemara, but it does not work. Okay, that is the second half of the Mishnah. Again, the first half of the Mishnah is about which, what the order, what 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 is necessary, a necessary step in order to allow her to get married. Even though there are three steps, uh, perhaps there's a dispute. Either one or two are really necessary in order to allow her to get married. The second part of the Mishnah is discussing different types of people who cannot do chalitza, and we'll explain why in a minute. The third part is about how many people have to actually see it. So, uh, we had this, in fact, earlier. Uh, but the first opinion says that as long as you have two judges, there's different ways that you can have two judges. Either you could have only two judges there, or let's say you have three judges there, but one of them is disqualified, so you're left with two judges. So then that's enough. The first opinion says, sorry, the first opinion says that, that even that case does not work. Even, sorry, even that case doesn't work. 
Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yochanan Sandalar say that as long as you have two, so then it does it does work. So he says they say that it does work. And then we had a certain story where even if they do it just amongst themselves, that would also suffice. That would also suffice as long as they just did it amongst themselves. And so that whole discussion, the third part of the Mishnah, uh, is really uh, will be discussed later on. We won't be discussing that now. That'll be discussed later on. But again, we have these three different parts of the Mishnah. Um, you know what has to be done in order to allow her to get to get married. Uh, the fact that if you are deaf mute or a minor, whether it's the brother in law or the sister in law, that will not allow for chalitza. That won't the chalitza taking place will not work. And then the third part has to do with how many people have to actually see it. How many how many judges do you have to have? Okay, so let's discuss the Gemara. Interesting Gemara here. Amar Rav Rav says. In the beginning of the Mishnah, we said that you don't have to read. It's not necessary to read in order to allow her the whole back and forth of reading. She says that my brother-in-law doesn't want me to, well, doesn't want to do Yibam. He says it's, uh, this is true. Um, all that back and forth, it's not, it's not required to allow her to, to, to get married. So if that's the case, says Rava, we'll see that the Gemara will ask a question on this and sort of change Rava. But as of now, Rava is saying that if somebody is a, not just a deaf mute, but it's just somebody who is not deaf, but it's just mute, they cannot talk in Elaim, whether it's the brother-in-law or the sister-in-law, it's fine. It's kosher. They're, they are they could hear. So it's not the case in the mission of somebody who's a deaf mute. They're able to hear. So therefore, they're able to understand to a higher degree, but they just cannot talk. They cannot say the words that are necessary, but it's fine because the mission said you don't have to say the words. So it's kosher. It's fine. So the Gemara now says, wait a minute, Tanan, what about the other cases in our Mishnah? We said that if you're a deaf mute or if you're a minor, you can't do Chalitza. Why can't you do Chalitza? Isn't the reason behind this the fact that a deaf mute and a minor, they don't know how to read properly? They cannot say the words properly? And so we see from here that if you can't say the words properly, so then you are in fact disqualified. And we'll explain why that would be. If, if saying the words themselves is not necessary, why is it that if you're a person who cannot say the words, that would disqualify you? We'll explain that in a minute. But if that's the case, and then somebody who's a mute also should be disqualified, the Gemara says, no, lo. The reason for this is because a deaf, mute, and a minor, they don't have sufficient awareness and knowledge they don't have sufficient awareness and knowledge of what they're doing and as such they cannot do chalitza but an elaim according to rava at this stage of the gemara an elaim somebody who's just a mute so they are able to have better understanding of their surroundings because they're not deaf um especially in the times of the gemara uh so such a person such a person would be able to if they're just mute they would be able to uh, do chalitza because they are more aware and it's not about the talking but it's about having that sufficient knowledge. Because, uh, so the Gemara now says, So then somebody who's a mute also, they don't have sufficient knowledge. So this is what we're referring to before. Um, Rava says, no, they're not allowed to talk. They have trouble talking, but it doesn't mean that uh, they don't have sufficient knowledge. So now the Gemara has a very strong question. The Gemara asks the following very strong question. But Amri the but Rabbiana, the house of Rabbiana, said that they gave us explicitly the reason why a deaf mute and a minor 
are disqualified. And it's not because they don't have sufficient knowledge. It's because they cannot speak. It's because they, they don't know how to speak properly and use the exact Hebrew words, somebody who's deaf-mute or a minor. And so therefore, that's why it's disqualified. But nothing to do with the fact that they don't have sufficient knowledge. So just to point out, just to point out what happened to the sufficient knowledge. Uh, we say in general, a minor doesn't have sufficient knowledge in order to get married or to perform uh, transactions, monetary transactions, and also somebody who's deaf-mute, especially in times of the Gemara, they also cannot get married. They, they, they don't have sufficient uh, awareness of what's going on. So why in this case do we say, no, they really do have sufficient awareness, but the reason why they're disqualified is from some external reason that's unique to Chalitza, because they don't know how to say the words The words that they have to say, they don't know how to say them properly. But what happens to the fact that they don't have sufficient knowledge? Why do we assume that they do, in fact, have sufficient knowledge in this case? So Tosus explains a very important point. He says that, no, the way they have sufficient knowledge is that it would work provided that there is an adult uh, who is aware standing over them and is sort of guiding them and directing them. As long as they're being guided and directed, so then that is viewed as sufficient knowledge. Now it's important to point out, well, what kind of knowledge is that? What, are they, what do they have to know about? And so when it comes to chalitza, what they have to know is just that they are doing the act of the removal of the shoe. Now, the, the various consequences that they might not have to know. So that act itself, so therefore, as long as you have an adult guiding them and teaching them this is what you are doing, so they'll, under, they'll be able to understand that. A minor will be able to understand that. A deaf mute will be able to understand that. So they're not disqualified for that reason. It happens to be that they're disqualified for a different reason. They're disqualified because uh, they, uh, they, they can't talk properly. Uh, they can't uh, say the Hebrew uh, correctly. Uh, that's the reason why they're disqualified, but it's not because they don't have sufficient um, uh, in, intention. And so, just to point out, as an extra step, uh, some of the commentators, the later commentators point out that having an adult watch over and guide a minor does not always work. It doesn't work when it comes to getting married. It doesn't work when it comes to getting divorced. Uh, so why would it work here? So apparently, what comes out is that there's different levels of awareness and concentration that's necessary depending on what's occurring. When it comes to getting married, so you have to be aware not just of the fact that you're giving a ring, but you have to be aware of the consequences that are involved, that you're actually getting married or that you're actually getting divorced. So it's a higher level of awareness, therefore an adult watching over won't work. But when it comes to chalitza, apparently chalitza, you don't have to have as much awareness. You just have to have, be aware of the, act, the current action that you're doing. And as such, as long as you have an adult who's guiding just the current action, so then the minor will, will know what to do. The minor will, in fact, know what to do because they're being guided by the, the adult. So it's important to note that different mitzvot require different levels of awareness and concentration. And so here too, by chalitza, we would say that a minor technically would work because they, they, they just have to have the awareness that they're doing the actual removal of the shoe. The reason why it doesn't work is because they don't know how to say the words in Hebrew. And that's also true for a deaf-mute. Uh, so if that's the case, so then somebody who's a mute also, even if they're not a deaf-mute, they're not deaf and mute, but they're just a mute, they can't say the words, they should also be disqualified. So that so they have to change Rava's whole statement around. And that's in fact what they do. Really, Rava's saying, saying if a deaf mute 
is disqualified. And a minor is disqualified. And the reason why they're disqualified is because they cannot say it properly. So then so too somebody who's not a deaf mute, they're just only mute, they're also disqualified. So it's really flipped. Originally, Rava said that they are good. They could uh, do chalitza. And now because we said that, no, you have to have the ability to say it, we say now that they are uh, not good. Oh, what about our Mishnah? Umas nisin kribzera. As we'll explain in a second. Essentially, the question is, we're back to our original question. The Mishnah said that you don't have to read it. You don't have to read it in order to, all you have to do is the removal of the shoe, maybe also spit. You don't have to read it in order to, uh, in order to allow her to get married. So who cares that the person's a deaf mute or a minor or just mute and they can't read it properly? But you don't have to read it anyways. And so this now comes a very important principle by Rabzera, without getting into the original source, but these ideas is essentially as follows. That even though it's true that you do not have to read it, but you at least have to have the ability to read it. You have to be a person, as long as you're a person who has the ability to read what's necessary to be read in the Hebrew, so then even if you don't read it, so then it still would work. But if you are a person who... It's impossible. You're not able to read it because either you're a deaf mute, you're mute, or you're a, you're a minor. You can't, and you don't know how to read it in the Hebrew. So, as long if you're a person who uh, fundamentally cannot read it, so then you are disqualified. So even though if you are if you are a mature adult, regular uh, regular adult who's able to talk, so then uh, you do not have to read it. But if you're somebody who's not able to talk, so then you do in fact become disqualified, which is then the conclusion of Rava. So essentially, just to conclude, we did the Mishnah, three different aspects of the Mishnah, about uh, what is necessary, about who qualifies, and also about uh, the number of judges. And then we got into this discussion, what about uh, somebody who's just mute, and also the broader discussion about the fact that the only reason why they're disqualified is because they cannot read it. The implication is, but they do have sufficient knowledge well, how do they have sufficient knowledge if in other areas they don't? It's because the adult is standing over, watching over, according to Tosos at least, watching over and guiding them. And the only amount of knowledge and awareness that's necessary is the action that they're performing, but not the results of those actions, as opposed to by getting married or getting divorced. Uh, it wouldn't work to have an adult just overseeing it because they themselves have to have the, the knowledge and awareness of the ramifications to their actions of getting married and of getting divorced. And so therefore, a minor or a deaf mute would, be, would in fact be disqualified, even if you have an adult sort of guiding them within the process. Okay, this concludes uh, the Gemara. We're heading towards the bottom of Kofdalan and Bayes 104b, and we will continue with this discussion in the next recording.